In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps a $5 minimum balance required. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did. What a catch. And the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now, with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, usually joined alongside my co-host, Aaron Murray. But it's just me today, riding solo. Hope everybody had an awesome weekend. Hope you had a great Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to new father, Aaron Murray, of course. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass. I am at... Drew Butler, and if you're waking up on this Monday morning going about your day and you stayed in tune with the headlines from this past weekend, you probably woke up saying, are we going to have a college football season this fall? That's right. Just a barrage of bad headlines from multiple different schools this past weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the coronavirus and college football. As I have been reporting to you and letting everybody know, Student athletes and coaches have returned back to campus. I think starting June 8th, a lot of schools in the SEC did. There was a slower rollout the following week, June 15th. And now it seems like as we stand here on June 22nd, the media is telling you that the 2020 season is officially in jeopardy. Where do we stand right now? University of Houston suspended workouts indefinitely after they had six players Test positively for the coronavirus. Kansas State this past weekend suspended workouts for two weeks after they had 14 positive tests. And and I think more nationally known, 13 players tested positive at Texas. 23 players tested positive at Clemson with a total of 28 in the program. UCLA players have come out and said they want additional best practices. They said that on Twitter. They've had private meetings with Chip Kelly and their athletic director. They want to make sure that they're being taken care of and nothing is being swept under the rug. And then maybe the biggest one so far is that LSU, that's right, the defending national champions, has placed 30 players in quarantine. The exact number of positive coronavirus cases within the program is unknown at this time, but everybody's talking about it, and everybody's getting more and more worried. Obviously, if you watch the news, not sports news, but the news, you understand that the coronavirus is is still here. I mean, we're still within the pandemic. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. And I think I'm no doctor, but until there's a vaccine, it's just not going to disappear. And I also think that since these schools and these teams went ahead with getting back on campus, they knew exactly 
what they were getting into. Keep in mind, the NCAA, as I told you last week, has already approved a six-week practice period to acclimate these teams and coaches and players before the start of fall camp. So I'm here to tell you right now that I don't think this has too much of a negative impact about what to expect this fall. We're going to dive right into it. And at the end of this episode, I'm going to tell you about a really cool headline that I saw from footballscoop.com that should give a lot of Georgia fans good feelings if there is a 2020 season. Let's go back to the coronavirus in college football, though. Again, these schools started up their off-season programs with the understanding that this was probably going to happen. And when I say probably going to happen, 90% or better chance that student-athletes will contract the coronavirus, and then it will spread. The whole point of getting everybody together on campus, though, is so you can manage it, right? Now, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is not a serious disease. It it most certainly is. It's a global pandemic. But statistics have shown that those who are healthy and under the age of really 25 at this point, or if you want to get more serious, under the age of 45 or 55, you're not going to have very serious outcomes. Of course, there are instances where there are tragic, tragic and horrible outcomes. But as we are seeing throughout the nation, as the average age of those who get infected with the coronavirus lowers, hospitalizations and deaths are remaining low. Now, in the case of Kansas State, in which 14 players tested positive, and now they have suspended workouts for two weeks after, head coach at Kansas State, Chris Kleeman, held a Zoom meeting with parents and players, and they got down to the facts. A couple of guys went to a party. They got the coronavirus. They came and worked out with their teammates. It started to spread. They've now put team rules in place, and they said, guys, we have to take this seriously. You cannot attend parties while you're on campus and while we are doing voluntary workouts. You are putting everybody at risk. LSU, the same thing happened. There was a gathering in Baton Rouge. Again, the exact number of players who have tested positive for coronavirus on LSU's team is unknown, but they have 30 people in quarantine now. I guess they went to a bar or a nightclub. I didn't even know those were open right now. But they came back and worked out with the team, and of course, guys started to get sick. Most are asymptomatic, according to the reports that I'm reading. So again, you're not even showing symptoms that you are sick, but you can spread it, okay? And that is what's happening. And of course, those who are within the facility who are not players, who might be a little bit older, who might have pre-existing conditions, who might not be in the best shape, those are the ones you're putting at risk. But college football teams and trainers and coaches and staff understood the risk that they are taking on. They did. And I think it's important, and Barrett Salee from CBS Sports had a nice little blurb about it. And he said, quote, players are getting tests and top-notch treatment from medical staffs. That's better than being out and about getting others sick without knowing it. That's not to say that it's a good thing because it isn't, but a lot of asymptomatic players aren't exposing at-risk people because of these tests. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it was a really good idea to get student-athletes back on campus. I think it was a really good idea to get them back in their dorms, to get them back in the facility, to have them working out, to get them back on their meal plans, to make sure that they aren't out and about 
unknowingly having coronavirus and spreading it all over the place. Again, this is not an easy thing to tackle, and everybody knew this. But finding out the most efficient ways to mitigate the spread and understanding how it will work through a team, a locker room, a facility is what is most important in being able to progress towards football on the field this fall. That's what it's going to take. And again, like when I read the headlines of 13 players at Texas and 23 at Clemson and now 30 in quarantine at LSU, I mean, I hope and pray that they're not getting deathly sick and having to go to the hospital and get on ventilators and take up hospital beds and hit up the ICU. But if they're asymptomatic and they don't even know it and it just starts to spread, but then they can mitigate it, I think that is a probably a good sign for college football to come this fall. Right or wrong, that's what I think. Because until we get a vaccine, it's not going away. That's not how these things work. Again, I'm no doctor. I'm learning by reading. I'm learning by researching. I'm sure most of you are as well. And it kills me to have to continue to talk about this, but this was the only headline that came out of the entire weekend. College football, 2020 season, in jeopardy. Coronavirus running rampant throughout the nation. Again, If it is running rampant, but people aren't getting sick from it, keep in mind, you can get the coronavirus, but be asymptomatic and not be sick. Yes, you can pass it to at-risk people, which is very scary. But it seems like within these facilities, that is what they are trying to figure out. I maintain my position. I think there will be college football this fall 100%. What will it look like? 100% capacity in the stadiums, 75%, 50%, 25%, I don't know. There will be college football this fall. Too much money at stake, people. Too much money at stake. And I think that as these continue, these news headlines continue to come out, because they will, they're going to. You know, I just listed six schools. There's going to be more than six schools that report outbreaks within their facility. It's going to matter how serious they are. Can they mitigate it, right? Is Kansas State doing the right thing by just suspending voluntary workouts for two weeks and and making sure that the 14 players stay quarantined for 10 days? Did they do the right thing? I think they did by having all the players sign new team rules and guidelines sheets that say, hey, I'm not going to go out to a bar or a party or a gathering of friends and put my other teammates at risk. That may be what it takes. And if student-athletes can't sacrifice that to have football this fall, I mean, maybe this is an old guy take. But, but I think they should be able to sacrifice their social lives if they want to play football this fall. I mean, that's the unprecedented situation and climate that we're in. Sorry, guys. You know, you already understood what you were getting into going back to campus. And players want to play. It's not like you're going to sit there and say, nope, Nope, I'm not going to go back because I think the majority say yes. And I think the peer pressure of 95% of your teammates going back make you want to go back even more, even if you're on the fence about it. I think that's extremely clear. Sure, there are some guys who may not go back. Sure, there are some who are on the fence. But 95% of probably every team wants to go back. They do. They want to be with their boys. They want to work out. They love college football. That's why they play it. There's something called the 20-hour rule in NCAA. 
student athletes are only allowed to spend 20 hours per week on their respective sport so they can maintain a healthy balance of academics and athletics. Yeah, right. It is far more than 20 hours per week. But that just shows how much football players love the game. They love their teammates. They love competing. That's what you do. And I think that as they realize, hey, I can get sick, may not even know that I am sick, and it could spread through our locker room, they might take a couple of steps back and say, hey, here's what we have to do at least for the next couple of months in order to have a season this fall. Man, because if we don't have a season this fall, (laughs) I don't even know. I really don't even know. If we don't have football this fall, college football that is, wow, the landscape of universities and higher education could severely change. And that's exactly why I think we will have coronavirus. I mean, we will have college football this fall. We will probably have coronavirus this fall as well. But hopefully, as we continue to learn more about it, and as we continue to take the necessary measures to keep everybody around us safe and healthy, hopefully we can manage this situation. That's all I hope. And again, I- I'm not taking the seriousness of this global pandemic at light at all. At all, I'm not. I just think that the steps that have been made and the procedures and protocols that have been put in place by universities, by athletic training staffs, by college football coaches and their faculty will allow us to move forward. And, and that's this is what needs to happen to make sure that we do have college football this fall. Everybody knew something like this was going to happen. Now the headlines start to come out. And you woke up this morning and you said, are we going to have college football this fall? Well, Punt and Pass is here to tell you that yes. We will. And I hope everybody's healthy. And I hope everybody's safe who's getting it on these college football teams. Simple as that. So we'll continue to keep those guys in our prayer and hope that it doesn't continue to run rampant. But, um, you know, the mitigation and, and the management is what is key here. Let's talk about something on the field. Saw a really cool article, footballscoop.com, which I think is a great website. Follow them at footballscoop on Twitter. They've been doing a countdown of the 20 most important assistant coaching hires of the 2020 season. A lot of them are in the SEC. Number 14, Mike Bobo, the new offensive coordinator at South Carolina. Everybody's obviously very familiar with him as you listen to punt and pass. Number 10, Scott Cochran, the new special teams coach at Georgia. Number five, Chad Morris, the new offensive coordinator at Auburn, formerly the offensive coordinator at Clemson, and most recently the head coach at Arkansas. Number four, Bo Pelini at LSU, returning to be the defensive coordinator for the defending national champions. And number one, it came out today, the number one most important assistant coaching hire for the 2020 season is Todd Munkin at Georgia. That's right, Georgia's new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. In 2019, he was the Cleveland Browns offensive coordinator. Everybody knows that. And this is why footballscoop.com says Munkin is the most important. Quote, a year ago, LSU paired an NFL passing game expert with a graduate transfer quarterback to instantly produce the most fearsome passing attack in college football has ever seen. In the process, taking the entire store by storm, 
en route to an all-timer of a national championship run. They add, Georgia has its own NFL passing game expert on staff, and no one, not one, but two transfer quarterbacks. Time to start celebrating, right? Hold the phone. Hold the phone. Yes, they do have two transfer quarterbacks. Of course, Jamie Newman from Wake Forest, who is eligible, and JT Daniels from Southern Cal, who is yet to gain eligibility. It's hard to imagine any Georgia signal caller repeating Joe Burrow's numbers, over 76% completion percentage, 60 touchdowns and only six interceptions. Good for an FBS record, 201.96 rating. I mean, absolutely bonkers. Unheard of numbers from Joe Burrow last year. You cannot compare anything in the 2020 season to what LSU was able to accomplish last year. You'd be a fool to do that. But I think a great addition to this article is right here. They say comparing this good news to the bonkers numbers of Joe Burrow from a year ago won't be remotely necessary because Georgia's 2020 defense has a chance to be every bit as good as LSU's 2019 offense. That is true. Lost in the shuffle of what's happening with the reimagination of Georgia's offense is the consistency and the return of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And that's great news. That really is great news. Keep in mind, Georgia led FBS in 2019 in scoring defense, only 12.6 per game, and in rushing defense, 75 yards per game. They rank second in yards per play, 4.29 yards per play, and they return 80% of their production from a year ago, more than everyone else on the SEC portion of their schedule, save for Vanderbilt, which shouldn't be too much of a worry. Could this be Kirby Smart's best defense at Georgia? Certainly could. You got to be excited for that. But you also have to be extremely excited for what Todd Munkin can bring to Georgia on the offensive side of the ball in 2020. Look, in 2011, he was the offensive coordinator of what turned out to be Oklahoma State's best team of all time. They averaged over 48 points per game and went 12-1. and They won the Big 12, and they won the Fiesta Bowl. They lost their only game at Iowa State in double overtime. Then he went to Southern Miss, where he turned an 11-1 team, excuse me, a 1-11 team into a 9-5 team in just three years. Munkin has spent... The last half of the previous decade as an NFL offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Cleveland Browns. I like what Ryan Fitzpatrick said, who was Munkin's quarterback with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Coach Munkin sees the game through the quarterback's eyes. He's aggressive and calls a game based on the strengths of his players. He does a great job of teaching and instilling confidence in the entire unit. That is key. And why is that key? Because I've told you once, and I'll tell you again, and I'll remain repeating it until the season starts. Think about what we just talked about, how much talent Georgia has on defense, how much production they are returning. A new transfer quarterback in Jamie Newman, who is very well established. A visionary offensive coordinator. And again, I think Buster Faulkner is going to be a huge addition, as I told you last week. Finally, I think Georgia fans can sit here and say, hey, man, this is up to the coaches. 
if the coaches put the players in the right position and if they coach to their player strengths, Georgia should be just fine in 2020. I think that's a great thing to say. And I trust these coaches. I really do. Georgia's revamped offense doesn't necessarily need to rack up 8,526 yards and 726 points as LSU did a year ago, footballscoop.com says. As long as Munkin gets the Bulldogs within barking distance of those numbers, Georgia is likely your 2020 national champion. Wow. Think about that. The recruiting classes that will comprise Georgia's 2020 roster rank number three, number one, number two, and number one in the country with a whopping 19 five-stars among them. This is every bit the most talented roster in America. It's up to the coaches, y'all. It's up to the coaches. I'd love to coach that team. I'm sure you would, too. It's going to be an exciting 2020. And I think I'm really excited to hear the headlines of of football-related news. Once the six-week practice period starts and coaches can be with the players and they can have walkthroughs and they can have meetings, I think that'll be important, very important for this Georgia offense, for Jamie Newman for the installment of this Todd Munkin offense in Athens. And Buster Faulkner, all right? I I guess we're becoming Buster Faulkner stands here on the Punt and Pass podcast. I think he needs his shine because I think he could be the cog that makes for a special season in Athens in 2020. That's about all I got for today. We're going to have football in 2020. And I'm sure we're going to have to deal with some more negative headlines. But I think the path forward is set in stone. And I think that we should trust the athletic training staffs, the universities, the coaches, the players, to make sure that we can look forward to Saturdays down south. No question about it. Appreciate you listening. Be sure to follow us. On Twitter and Instagram, at Punt and Pass, I am at Drew Butler. A new puntandpass.com is under construction right now. We'll have a merchandise shop. We'll have a blog. We'll have a spot for you to bookmark and always check out to make sure that you are up to date within the world of college football. Appreciate y'all listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.